am Brenda. And hi, I'm Amber. And this is the Minority Millennial Money Podcast. The contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice. And neither Amber nor I nor Minority Millennial Money is engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and tax accountants, regarding the legal, tax, and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. Welcome back to another episode of Minority Millennial Money Podcast. Greetings from Mexico City. If you're watching this, you'll see that my hotel bathrobe is in the background. Um, But I'm really enjoying my time in Mexico City. So highly recommend that if you uh, save up some money for traveling, you check out this particular place. Amber? Yes. Do you want to say what what the hotel name is? Uh, it's called the W, <laughs> and you can see it on the bathroom, and uh, it's very posh. And it was a bit of a splurge, but I'm happy. I'm happy we chose this place. Um, but today we want to talk to y'all about a couple of things that have come up in our Facebook groups and on Twitter, and that Amber has run into in personal conversations. And that is both life insurance and estate planning. So since we have a lawyer here, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what estate planning is and when does someone get to the point that they need to do that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot. So first of all, estate planning is basically you planning for your, unfortunately, like your death or your what lawyers call incapacity. So if you are at a point where you can no longer make decisions legally if you have dementia or if you just become incapacitated for some other reason. For example, if you get into an accident and you're in a coma and trying to uh, determine those sort of end of life decisions. So there's a lot of components to estate planning. One is a will, which probably most people understand the basics of what a will is. It's essentially, um, you know, how your assets will be divided upon your death. Um, but there's also other parts of estate planning, like, for example, healthcare power of attorneys, um, regular power of attorneys, um, and, and then, of course, life insurance. And so all those things play a big part in, um, you know, what happens to you after you die. So I have a ahead. question because you said uh, regular. What did you say? You said um, uh, medical power of attorney and then you said regular power of attorney. So what does regular mean? Yeah, so a healthcare power of attorney is, you probably know this from working at a hospital, is is basically like, you know, do you want a DNR on file? It's all about your medical health. A regular power of attorney deals with who is in charge of your bank account. So while you're in a coma, right, um, you may still need to pay rent or a mortgage. You may still need to, uh, you know, you may need to buy a car. It, It really just depends on how long you're going to be in a coma for, um, it depends on, you know, because what, because outside of life insurance, right, let's say you have $10,000 in your bank account, who, who gets to divvy that money up, and then also, you may have some costs for your apartment, so let's say, for example, you were to die, and let's say you die on June 15th, right, so, you may not, your family may not be able to move your belongings by the 30th. 
So they may need another month where they might have to pay rent. They may need the money out of your account. And so that's where a regular power of attorney comes into play. Um, that person could then go to your bank and be able to pay your bills while you're gone. Um, I'm in the military. I think we've said that before. And so I actually do this work for soldiers. This is a very um, frequent thing that soldiers do when they deploy. Um, I will go, uh, we have these large um, legal events where a whole unit might be deploying. So that might be 50 to 300 soldiers maybe deploying all at once. And so all of them need wills. They all need powers of attorney. They all need healthcare powers of attorney, all of it, because unfortunately you don't know if you're going to come back from deployment. And so all those things, the, the legal team has to help plan for that soldier as if they are not coming back. And so I've had to do all of those things. And so a lot of soldiers will give power of attorneys to uh, a parent or a spouse so that they are able to take care of all of that. Okay, got it. So yeah, as a healthcare provider myself, I've helped patients fill out medical powers of attorney. And I've actually filled one out myself. Uh, and I've put in my advanced directive, which is another a document that you can fill out an advanced directive lets people know what you would want done at your end of life. Like if you would want, for example, if you become brain dead, do you want to stay on life support for three days at least before they pull the life support? Do you want to stay on life support for 14 days? Do you not want life support at all? You can actually make all those decisions and get an advanced directive and have it signed and just have a witness and then keep that on file with your doctor's office. And if it comes to that, then the hospital will usually reach out to your doctor's office or you can give it to like a close friend or family members and you can ask them like, hey, if anything ever happens to me, I have these documents. This is the person that I would want to make my medical decisions. And then like you said, the regular power of attorney, is that also the durable power of attorney? Yeah, it's the same thing. It just depends on how long we want the power of attorney for, depending on the language and depending on what state you're in, there's a legal okay. requirement for each state. Okay. But I do want to clarify that your medical power of attorney does not have to be the same person as your regular power of attorney. Right, right. So you may want someone who is in charge of your medical affairs who may be more neutral and maybe less emotional. Right. Uh, and then you may have, want to have your next to kin as your regular power of attorney to handle your finances. Exactly. So those are two different documents that actually, even if you're young, you should probably consider filling out because they essentially don't have anything to do with how much wealth you've built, right? Like having a person that makes your medical decisions for you, if you are not able to, is not a matter of how much your net worth is. Like it should just, you should have that established. So I'm a big proponent of getting that done. And then a Durable power of attorney also applies, right? Like who's going to take care of your bills? Who's going to be able to get into your bank account? Um, if you were to pass away what, and you don't have like a, a death policy, like that covers your funeral cost, then where do you want people to cover those from? I mean, people don't think about this stuff. And you, you had brought up, since I brought that up, I, we should probably talk about life insurance. And you had brought up, you know, people in minority communities tend to live in areas that have higher danger, higher crime rates. And so if you were to experience, you know, a death in the family um, due to crime, it would be extremely helpful if that person had life insurance, right? 
Yeah, so like me and one of my really good friends in Chicago were talking about this the other day. Um, and just in the Black community, what we've seen over the years is people will die and the whole family will have to come together and put up money to pay for that person's funeral. And it's a huge, it, it's such a huge burden on the family. Yeah. Because not only are you dealing with this person's death, but you're also trying to figure out, okay, who can give money to the funeral? I mean, I've been in Black funerals where the funeral home, you, we get there for the funeral and they're like, you didn't pay. <laughs> and they're trying to take up a collection while people are trying to enter for the funeral. And so I'm just saying like, it, it's really important to get life insurance. And I was telling my friend, like, you know, the black community, I feel like it's hard for us to uh, get generational wealth because we're so busy paying for generational debt. We're so busy paying for, mm -hmm. These people who died, okay, they didn't have insurance. What do we do? At this point, everybody in the community needs life insurance. And especially if you live in a high crime neighborhood and you know people are getting shot and killed, going to the gas station, going to the grocery store, the least you can do is give your family or leave them enough money to try to move out of that area um, after you die. And so to me, like, it should be everybody should go get life insurance today. Um, you know, and then there's life insurance policies that are, you know, ten, twenty, thirty dollars a month. Right. So we're not talking about a large sum of money, especially if you have no health issues or have no documented health issues. <laughs> Asterisk documented health issues. I like that. <laughs> well, and also, you know, you bring up I had brought this up when we talked about it, was that you know, life insurance is risk-based, right? So if you have a lot of chronic illness and you're older, then your life insurance is going to be more expensive. But like I got it in my late 20s, not necessarily because I have a family and that's usually why people get it, right? Because they wouldn't want to leave their children with nothing, but because I have those rental properties and, and if I died, I would want those to get paid off and my family to have them, right? And mm. not have to deal with, with, continuing to rent them, not have to deal with selling them, but just to be able to pay them off. Um, and it's a little consolation, you know, <laughs> I right. mean, it does help. It does help because I've known widows, widows who lost their husbands and thankfully their husbands had like a half a million dollar policy. And they're like, I mean, I was devastated. There was no way I was going to be able to go to work for six months, you know, right. At least. He died tragically in a bike accident or something, and and that held her over and the kids over for as long as they needed. Right. And so right. it's really something thoughtful. And you're right; like people in minoritized communities are so stuck paying the debts, the debts that they had that they can't think forward to mm -hmm. prevent something like that happening again. Um, and it's kind of a little bit sad. I mean, it's it's great that people can come together in community for that purpose, but it's also like, why don't we change the goals and the purpose of that coming together, right? Like organize and mobilize to build wealth, not just to pay off debts. Agreed, agreed. Um, so you brought up a good point, um, you know, having a family versus being single. So how much, um, how much did you, is your life insurance policy for? And I guess like, you know, cause probably people are going to be like, listen, I'm single. I have no kids. I have no assets. How much did my life insurance policy be? So I actually, I got a policy for 500,000 and that was just cause it was, 
it was marginally more expensive to get 500 versus 250. It was like the difference between $14 and $17 a month. So my life insurance is $17.49 a month. And if I die, my family gets $500,000. I mean, then again, like my risk profile was pretty low. I'm healthy, I'm young, I don't have any chronic illnesses. And then I had mentioned, you know, like, does your life insurance go up if you live in the high, high crime neighborhood? And you said, no, that doesn't count, right? They, they only take into account your health status and right. like smoking, smoking the big one that will make your insurance cost more. Right. So I used to have a, go ahead. Well, they will come and do a blood test. Like yeah. that's part of the process. They do a blood test. They send someone out to take your height and your weight. And so like, if you're overweight, they think not against you. So there is a process to get life insurance. It's not like you just go online and buy it. You go online, you sign up, you apply, they send someone to get out the medical stuff done. They review it, their actuaries, you know, go through the process of finding out what, a, how risky it is to insure you. And then you get your quote. Yes. Um, so I did that process. I did have a half a million dollar policy, but it was associated with my whole life policy. Oh, that's right. Or it was the whole life policy. So I ended up canceling it. But right now I just have $50,000 in life insurance. But that's mostly because I don't have uh, any property. I don't have really, like, I don't have a family. But I definitely plan to get at least, probably, if I had a family, at least a million. I would yeah. want um, if I had a family for sure. Right. And we talked about this on the insurance episode that hopefully, you know, mine's a 30 year term and I got it right before I turned 30. So I'm hoping that by the time I'm 60 years old, 30 years from now, I'm not going to need it. Right. Like I'll be good. Like I'll have enough money in the bank that like my funeral will be paid for. My children will be able to, you know, have my assets. So speaking of that, um, what goes in a will? Like, what do you get to say in a will? Like, say I'm, I'm 65 and my net worth is $5 million and I have a couple of properties and I have two kids. So like, tell me as a lawyer, what would you tell me to do? Yeah. So, I mean, in a will, you can divide up anything however you want. So you can say, you know, my mom gets this property located at this address. Um, you know, the stuff in my brokerage account goes to this child. You can even actually set up trust in your will. So you might say, you know, uh, this money will go into a trust until my kids turn the age of maturity, 18, or you can say 21 if you want. And then they will get the money in the trust and you can add a trustee, somebody who's in charge of that trust. Um, oh. That's sort of going into trust law. But um you can you can divide it up however you want. And the will also, you might say, if you have children, who is going to be um, who is going to be the guardian of those children after you die as well. That goes into a will. Um, usually, if you're married, so typically how it goes, a lot of people will come to me um, whenever I do their will, and they'll say, "Do I even need a will?" And so the answer to that is is maybe not actually. So if you are single, if you have no kids and you have no assets. Your property, usually depending on the state, your property typically will go to your next of kin. So if that is typically your parents. So if you're okay with your parents having your things, all of your assets, um, then you really don't need a will because you don't have any kids, you don't have any property, there's really nothing to divide up. 
Now, if you were to say, want to disinherit a parent, so let's say, you know, your father wasn't in your life and you want to make sure your mom only gets uh, your things. This has happened countless occasions. I've written wills to disinherit a father. Um, so you would just say all of my things will go to my mother and leave it at that. Some people have left some things to their ex-wives as well. I've had situations where someone will say, listen, I want my house and $50,000 to go to my ex-wife. I want everything else to go to my parents in a situation where they might be divorced or something like that. Um, in a situation where you may have kids, you may want to <clears throat> give uh, you know, everything to your children, or you may wanna give a certain fee to um, whoever the custodian of those children are. You may say, I wanna give this person $50,000 to take care of my kids until they turn 18, at which point all the rest of my assets will be in the trust and they will go to the children. So there's a, a lot of different ways that you can slice it, but um, a will just clearly outlines exactly what you want to do. So going back to the, uh, in that Facebook group, it's women in the fat fire financial independence movement, which means that you want to retire and have hundred K or more in retirement, which means that you have a larger savings goal. So they per year, per year, right. Per year. Um, they were talking about like a, a website where you can do it for $2,000, you can establish a will for 2000 instead of what people usually charge, which is around 6000 And that was just in her area, so I don't know if it varies by area by how much people charge, but does that sound reasonable? Yeah, so like, here's the thing, like, will wills are all formed. So it's hard to really answer this as a lawyer because like, I know like, for example, I have a will software. So it's not like I'm doing anything legal. It's, it's not rocket science. All I'm doing is plugging and chugging. All I have to know is the legal knowledge in my head. You tell me what you want to do. I translate it to what that means legally. And I put it into this software right. essentially. And it spits out a contract, a will, basically. But, but so, people pay you for you to sign it. <laughs> exactly. They pay me to understand, you know, because in the will, there has to be a, these specific legal language that you have to put in there. You just have to know what that means, basically. A lot of things are in Latin. And so the average person will be like, what is per surface? Like, I don't understand what that means. And so right. you should like be able to plug and tug those in. Um, and it varies by state. So you could probably find an independent lawyer who may charge you like $500 an hour to put together some estate planning. And it probably isn't going to take that long to do a will, maybe a couple hours. It really depends on how many assets you have. If you have no children, no assets, uh, you should not pay $2,000. That's too much. Right. You can find any lawyer, any law offices of insert name, you know, and have them spit out a will for you and do it probably for $500. If you have a lot of assets, so, so for example, if you have over a million dollars in assets and you're trying to give away children, assets, life insurance, bank accounts, all this other stuff. I have some people who have international bank accounts. And so that takes a lot longer. So you should probably pay for the $6,000 lawyer if there, is such, <laughs> if there is such a thing. Make sure that, because what's gonna happen is you're gonna have trust as well, probably. Like I said before, if your kids are under 18, you may not wanna give them a million dollars at nine. So uh, someone has to manage that. And so you, you are gonna wanna hire an estate planning firm to handle all of your assets to make sure everything's very clean. Um, so it just really depends on what situation you're in. 
Yeah, and and I think this is a topic that's a bit advanced, you know, but we've covered all the main topics that are beginner level in the first few episodes, like budgeting and getting out of debt and that kind of stuff. So we wanted to offer something for people that maybe already have gotten rid of debt and are building wealth and are slowly seeing their net worth get larger. And you do you should consider the things that you want to take care of for long-term planning, even if you don't have a family um, or like us, you're single and not married, you know, we still have life insurance. Um, so it's just something to consider. And also for people in minoritized communities, like if you're a person that lives in an area where your risk of death is significantly higher because of where you live, unfortunately that's the case for a lot of minority people, um, then maybe you should consider it, you know, or if you know someone in that situation, it's it could might be twenty dollars a month, and it and it gives your your children or your wife or your parents, whoever's left behind, a way to get out of that risky situation. Yes, definitely. Like I, I strongly recommend everyone go get life insurance immediately. Right. Well, I read something recently about how GoFundMe, like a third of the GoFundMe's, are for healthcare. In like another significant percentage, I don't want to make it up because I don't remember, but another significant percentage were for death costs. And that's really sad, you know? It is. It's really sad because life insurance is really not that expensive, which you would think it would be because everybody dies. There's a certainty in that. We will all die. Agreed. We will all die. I think that people don't want to pay the monthly cost because I think if you're someone in who's struggling, you're like, yeah, you guys are on there saying $30 a month, but I can't barely put food on my table. You know what I mean? And so they're probably like, you know, you're, this is coming from a privileged background, but it's not because what are you going to do if you die? Like, what is your plan? Have your family struggle more? Because that's, that's the whole reason you're in that situation now. It's generational poverty. Right. Now they're going to lose your income too. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, I think, you know, we can really start making some serious moves. I mean, think about this, you know, in my hometown of Chicago, all of the deaths um, that have happened there, all the gun violence, and you hear about 50, 60 people getting shot and killed every weekend in Chicago. Imagine if those 60 people, most of them black and brown, had life insurance for half a million dollars. Think about what that would do to the black community if 60 people had a half a million dollars. I just want everybody to think about that and to seriously consider doing it. That's a great point. But unfortunately, this kind of information doesn't reach those communities that often. Well, I hope this does. (laughs) I hope it does too. I hope it does too. Great. So we'll wrap it up. And we do have a few more listener interview episodes coming up. So guys, stay tuned for that. And we wish you a very happy Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Bye.